I just thought, wow, no wonder she doesn't want to talk to me. You know, there was just a mess and I'm the result of such a mess. So get rid of her. Then you don't have to see her and then it'll all go away. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and on the show today is Shannon from Hazel Green, Alabama. Shannon stood out from her adoptive family in looks and some personality traits, so there was a natural curiosity about her birth family. She assumed she'd be able to locate them. Her whole story would be laid out with clear facts about her conception, and everything would make sense. Instead, Shannon found a birth mother who had very little recollection of that time in her life. She was given misleading information, and she spent many years in a reunion with the wrong guy. This is Shannon's journey. Shannon grew up feeling special and loved in her family, and she always knew she was adopted. Shannon's parents had had one biological son, but after years of trying to expand their family, they adopted her. She said her parents were very open with her about being adopted and their inability to conceive children. She recalled that four years after she was adopted, her youngest brother was adopted into the family too. My dad has always told me that I saved my mom's life because she wanted a baby so bad. She wanted another baby. And that has always been a comfort because my mom wasn't always the easiest mom. And as I'm an older person now, today's my 54th birthday. Oh, happy birthday. And knowing what my mom went through, that she lost several babies, I understand that life hardened her. I understand that now. I didn't understand it when it wasn't easy times with my mother and I, but I get it now. Yeah, I could see how the challenge of losing multiple babies would make a person question a lot of things way more deeply than they normally would and be a little more critical, more harsh. And that might come out in parenting. I could see that. Absolutely. I used to just think, gosh, she is so mean and just so hateful, but she went through a lot and doesn't make it right or wrong. But I I just see now where life can change you in so many different directions. And that's just, you know, that was just how it came out in her. She was a, I don't mean anything terrible by this, but she was the most fabulous grandmother you've ever seen in your life. Mm -hmm. She learned how to be a better grandmother than a mom. But she was a great mom. It sounds so terrible, but it was just, we just had our time. We had tough times Mm -hmm. at times. Can you, can you You describe those tough times? What was it like? She had gotten pregnant as a teenager with my older brother at 17. And she raised him a lot on her own. She was very tough. Then she married my dad, who was in the military And I think she thought I was going to run and do things like she did because maybe she was a little more wild and I wasn't like that. And I just I I think she just kind of tried to keep her thumb on me at all times, thinking that maybe I was going to run and do terrible things. I don't really know. I just know that it, it was tough. You know, teenage years were rough. But it smoothed out. It got better. She passed away 11 years ago. Mm. And, of course, as as she became a grandmother and just as time went on, things were better. Things, of course, were better. But I, it made me always dream of my biological mother. And, oh, I bet she's so beautiful and so wonderful, <laughs> like a lot of adoptees do. Shannon's adoptive father, a U.S. Army guy, was easygoing playful, and imaginative. His military career took the family to different parts of the country and overseas, but that meant the family was often uprooted. To ease the challenges of frequent moves, Shannon's dad kept things fun and light because most of the time, it was just the five of them in the family navigating life together. While she had a wonderful childhood and experienced things that kids who grow up in one place don't get to, 
she still wondered about who she came from, where they were, and what the reasons were for her adoption. My adoptive mother, she comes from a family that everybody looks alike. They all look alike. All the cousins, everything. And I stuck out like a sore thumb. I, I wanted that so bad for some reason. I don't know why. You want to connect with somebody, I guess. Yeah. That, I mean, I was having this discussion recently about mirroring and how it becomes so important for us. And I, I, I made the analogy to, you know, if you walked into a room and, you know, I'm a black guy, you're a white woman, and you are the only person of your type in that room. You know, black guy walks into a room full of white people. White woman walks into a room full of black people. You are automatically, like, singled out as looking differently. And the mirroring becomes very prevalent in your thought process of how different you are from folks. You can see that same thing happening when you are in just your family, where there's only five of you. You're bouncing all over the world together. You're constantly together. Yet if you're mirroring, be it personality or physical traits or what have you, don't match up with the people you're around, it can be very magnifying to recognize like, oh, I am pretty different from these folks. You know, I am, I'm very different. I was a more bubbly. I, I liked fun. My mom was just kind of a, I don't know how to describe it, just um, just an angry person. And like I said, life threw a lot of hardballs to her. And it just shaped her personality, I guess, with mm-hmm. health issues. And and I, I think it just, it just changed her maybe from when she was younger. I don't really know. But, you know, she just Maybe that was just how she handled it. I'll I'll never know because we never were able to just absolutely talk about it. There's so many things now that I can think. I stay in my thoughts a lot about things mm-hmm. and try to pick it all apart. I, I think a lot of people do that. <laughs> Referring to her physical differences from her adoptive family, Shannon said she's a tall, very blonde woman, contrary to her mom's family, who was rather short. Shannon said she's taller than both of her adopted grandfathers. It's not even that big a deal, but it was when you're a little kid and you're just, you see this whole family and oh my goodness, they're all together and they all look alike. And I would just be like, well, here I am. I don't even fit in anywhere. Nobody ever implied that or said that. That was all just me. I just wanted, I wanted somebody that when they looked at, me, they knew who I belonged to. When I I have three children, and the joke is because my all three of my children have natural blonde hair also, and I prayed so hard when I was expecting my children that everyone would know they're my children, and one hundred percent everybody knows because <laughs> they they just say they look you know like me and not like my husband, so it, I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's what I always wanted. That's funny. I'm sure your husband said, could you have just prayed for one of them to look like me, please? Yeah. I mean, God, did you have to take them all? <laughs> we say, you didn't pray hard enough. You didn't care. I did. So. <laughs> this was super important to me. So you're short. You're out of luck, buddy. That's, That's right. Funny. That's really funny. How, uh, how did you and your siblings get along? We were, we have always been very close because there was, they were my claim that that's all we had. When you move from town, from city to city, to country, to country, you just have the five of you. We didn't grow up in the traditional go to your grandma's every Sunday. And we saw our grandparents and we loved our grandparents, but it was more like a, every Sunday night at nine o'clock when the rates go down, we get to talk to grandmother or grandma and whatever because we lived all over and we just, we just had each other. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, good times, bad times, hard times, fun times, we just had each other. And until you, you know, you get settled in and then you make your, you go to your new school and you make new friends and, and then you just, you know, roll with life. But then you pack up and as the army does, my dad, we were stationed in 19 different places by the time I was in the 10th grade. 
And I never went to a school for a whole year until I was in the 10th grade. And I got to finish high school here in Hazel Green. Shannon's family lived in Georgia, Minnesota, Texas, Kansas, Colorado, and Germany. But when the family landed in Alabama when she was in the ninth grade, Shannon said she didn't want to move anywhere else. It was a very fun childhood, but Shannon admitted she longed for the stability of a place where they could settle. When she put down roots in Alabama, she truly found her home. And I would go places and I would look at people everywhere we went and just wonder about people and think maybe they were there. And then when we did settle here, and it's insane because I was adopted in Columbus, Georgia, and my biological family on both sides is from Alabama. (laughs) Is that right? That's crazy. Yes, yes, it was really crazy. I couldn't believe it. That is so interesting. I circled back around Mm -hmm. and made it back, you know. That's funny. Before we get to that, though, I I am interested in one little piece, which is you've said that you were moving around and felt unsettled. And you've also said that you didn't look like anybody in your family. And my sense is that to some degree was mildly unsettling as well. Was there a conflation of those two things a challenge at all for you? Uh, No, because being a kid... uh, it was always in the back of my mind, always. I, I hear a lot of people that are not that interested and it's not a big deal. It, I mean, I think from the minute that I really was big enough to really know what happened, I just wanted to know. But I wanted that, I guess I thought that if I knew that, then I would have that sense of, even though I had a family and it was what it was, It wasn't like I thought that it would be better if I had my own family. I didn't express that to my mom and dad because I I was afraid I would get in trouble or I would hurt them. Um, I don't know why I thought I would get in trouble, but just as a kid, I just thought, oh, I I can't tell that. But I always thought it. Hmm. Always. Really interesting. Yeah. I just, I just wanted that feeling of home. And I just thought, oh, if I'm with my people, it's going to be better. Even though my people were my adopted family there. I don't know why I'm like that, because there are a lot of people that could care less. But you're right there. I mean, there I think, listen, I might not be right about this, but I think there are a lot of people that say they could care less, but care more than probably even they realize. And I say that because, and you've been through this in reunion probably, and we'll get to your reunion journey in a moment, but my experience was that in finding my biological mother and my biological father separately, I felt a sense of satisfied curiosity that was even deeper than I realized was there. And I was one of those people that always said I didn't care about searching. I said that for 36 years. Well, for whatever, you know, I said that for 30 years. And so I agree with that completely. I I think that a lot of adoptees are, you know, we use the term in the fog and that's fine. It's perfectly cool for you to be right where you are, not necessarily thinking hardcore about digging in on a massive global search for your people. You just might not be there yet. But I do believe that there are a lot of people who have a deeper-seated curiosity than they're able to put their finger on. And it sounds like you... And I think a lot of people, a lot of people either are, are angry on one side because, why, I can't believe they gave me up. But then, and then I'm not angry because I was told from a little child, oh, it was out of love. And and I do believe that. I can't believe somebody would give a baby away. I really can't, no matter what. But I can contradict myself all day long because I get it, but I don't get it. But I understand. But then, golly, I can't believe you did that. Yep. I can't believe <laughs> you would make anybody in the world let you hand me over at a, you know, and, and get rid of I. It is, it is exhausting. It is exciting. It is everything. 
because it just depends on the mood I'm in and what direction my thoughts go in about how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You can go round and round and round and round on it. It's really you can, yeah. and you never stop. And it's I don't know when that will settle down because it looks like by 54 years old it would be settled down in me a little bit, but it doesn't. In 1990, Shannon got married, which meant she was completely out from under her parents' roof. She had told her parents that she was interested in searching for her birth family, but she didn't ask permission to search. Shannon wanted them to know the curiosity was there and didn't want to keep them completely in the dark on what she was about to do. In the fall of 1991, she decided to jump in and see what she could find. At Christmas, her job gave the employees bonuses, so Shannon decided she would use hers to hire a private investigator in Atlanta, Georgia, a person who dealt with the state's birth certificates and who could access her records. When the man accessed her file, there was no birth certificate or anything, only an envelope with an address. So I called the post office of this address in this town in Alabama. I called the post office and gave this address, and the man said, oh, yeah, that is, you know, Buster and Naomi, they live right over there down the road. And yeah, that's them. I couldn't believe it. Mm. I could not believe it. (laughs) When you used to call information, I called, you know, Valley, Alabama information. And I got my grandparents' phone number. And I called her. And I said, my name was Shannon. And I was born in March 1968. And she just started crying. She said, I've been waiting for this call. I am so glad you called. Mm. And just a precious little grandmother. Just precious. How did that feel to hear her say that over the Oh, my goodness. I cannot even describe her saying that when I was born, I guess they, you know, I stayed in the hospital or whatever. And she said, when we were walking down the hall to take you to the lawyer, I held you so tight and hugged you so tight that it would last until you came back to me. And I want, oh my goodness, it melted me. That's all I'd wanted to hear somebody say something like that forever. That is the sweetest thing. Oh my gosh. What an incredible thing to tell somebody in the first call. That's crazy. Yes. Just, she was just such a precious little lady. Hmm. Wow. So, We had a good, I guess, about a year and a half, and she got sick and passed in September of 92. So, I mean, I was so thankful. We talked every day, every single day. Wow. And she sent me little packages of things she'd made, and it was was everything that I could have dreamed of. That's incredible. What else did she tell you in that first call? She had told me that my grandfather was mainly the reason that I was given up, that it was just, you know, it was 1967. My my biological mother was, you know, just finished her junior year, fixing to go into her senior year of high school. It was a really stressful, painful time, and it was hard on them. My grandfather died in 1979, and she said that it, I guess he had gotten very sick, and he was a diabetic, and he had gone blind, and she told me one time she felt like he was punished for making them give me away, and I hate that he carried that, Mm -hmm. because that's, that's so not why that happened to him, (laughs) but I hate that that. He knew, I guess, that it had to be done. Maybe. I I don't know this, that they were embarrassed or just, I I don't know. But I hate he thought that that's why he went blind and was so sick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a tough burden to carry. It is. It is. So you all spoke, what would you say, daily, weekly? My grandmother and I, we spoke daily. And... (laughs) We met, we, we went and met, and I went to her house a few times when she passed. 
I didn't know this, but she, I was not my name, but where it, it listed like the grandchildren, it didn't say six that everybody in the town knew about. It said seven. So she included me. She had collected these dishes. When she passed, I got a box of some things that she had for me. And she had collected these dishes for each of her grandchildren. And she had a set for me, even though she didn't know if she'd ever see me again. Oh, my gosh. That's unreal. I was, I couldn't, be, I mean, I just, I couldn't believe it. Wow. I couldn't believe the love that I felt from her. And, and it was open and it wasn't a secret. And when I, my husband and I went to her funeral and it wasn't like I just busted in there and here I am. We, her funeral, I'll say, started at noon. We went in at 10 after and we sat in the very back row. You wouldn't believe the people that came up to me and said, I know who you are. I know who you are. Yes. And I tried to be very discreet, but they knew and I loved it. <laughs> I loved oh, yeah. that they knew. I loved it yeah. because they could, they knew who I was by how I looked. So and I loved that so much. I didn't want to disturb anybody's family or hurt anybody or cause a scene. I was, but, but my, uh, my biological mother's brother had said, no, you are welcome. You can come because I would never have come if they, they didn't want me to be there. Right. But like I said, I didn't sit with the family or anything like that. I was, we sat at the very back and just tried to kind of lay low, but people knew several came up to me and they knew exactly who I was. Wow. That's really amazing. How cool that you were able one to be included in the count of grandchildren. Yes. Right. But two, that she thoughtfully put together packages for every single person, including you dishes Inc like dishes yes. is, is not an easy thing to, Hold on to, hold to for on years. To. Right. That's Seven exactly sets right. of different. Her sisters all were thrilled about me. Some of them came to visit me. Which I, it was fantastic. Shannon's reunion with her biological grandmother, while short, was everything that she could have hoped for. But when it came to the woman's daughter, Shannon's birth mother, things were very different. Her birth mother had obscured Shannon's life from her present family. Shannon would be appearing as a secret child from her birth mother's past. Shannon's grandmother tried to warn her by saying, That was a very hard time in her life. It was very hard for her to give you up. And her husband now doesn't really know about you. And I was real confused about that. I was in my early 20s. I so wished that I would have had the wisdom I have now then because I might have kind of went at it a little differently but there's just two or three strange little things that she told me my biological mother went on to get married and have two more daughters they live in a very small town in south alabama and she told me one time that my sisters were at school and maybe eighth grade seventh, eighth grade, and somebody at school said, your mom had a baby when she was in high school. They had never heard this before. They went to a payphone. They called their mother. My biological mother said, yes, it's true, but we're never talking about this again, and hung up the phone, and that was that. So my biological mother's husband, he knew about me at, at some point. I don't know when that was. But he did not want his daughters to know about me. But they did know about me. So it's just like this big, crazy secret. That's not a secret. That, right? It's not a secret. Yeah. But what was said to me is the husband is afraid that it will mess his daughter's lives up because they're successful and they're, they're doing good in school and they go to a private school and it'll mess their lives up. And 
I certainly didn't want to mess anybody's life up or I didn't want, I didn't like him thinking that that's what my intent was because never would that I would never crash in and, and want to hurt somebody. Right. So it was not a secret, but it was told that it's still a secret. So we had to be very secretive about meeting and talking. And we only talked a time or two. And, and we birth, decided birth mother. My bo- yes, yes. Mm-hmm. We only talked a few times because she wasn't able to openly talk to me because her husband would find out. It was very frustrating. Before her grandmother passed away, the woman said she was going to have to call her daughter to tell her that Shannon had found them. But the first but first, her grandmother wanted to speak to her older son, the birth mother's brother to plan the conversation with her daughter. When Shannon finally got on the phone with her birth mother, the conversation was strained because the woman was nervous. Hearing her nerves changed things for Shannon a little bit as she recognized she may have messed up her birth mother's life if her husband found out they were in contact. Shannon said it was heartbreaking to think that's what her return to her maternal family might have done. Luckily, Shannon's birth mother's husband went out of town every weekend to be on his boat, so Shannon and her birth mother agreed to meet in secret. Shannon went to Columbus, Georgia one Friday night to meet her birth mother at a local shopping mall. Shannon and her husband sat facing the entrance she anticipated her birth mother would come through. Now, I'm not knowing how she is. I'm not realizing how she's going to react to me. And I've been very, very excited And we're sitting, looking, you know, waiting at the door. And I hear somebody running towards me, squealing in excitement. And I stood up and I still didn't know because I'd never seen her. I had not seen a picture of her yet. Mm -hmm. And she grabbed me and hugged me. That's the, the most excitement that I have felt from her because I still have to be a secret. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, did it feel good or was it it felt fantastic? Yeah. In my, in my personality that I'm in such a dream world, I was like, okay, it's all good now. We're good. This is great. This is going to be how it is. And it was great. We had a great evening she brought her daughter with her. She brought her daughter, my half sister, who was a sixth grader at the time. Hmm. So we didn't get to just sit and openly talk. And then now, as years have gone by, I guess I've realized that was kind of a buffer because I feel like she's a very private person, very private. And a lot of feelings and talking is not really how she is. So she brought her daughter, so I couldn't just start asking questions. I'll never know if that's how it was or not, but it we had a we had a great first meeting, awesome. but it was just like we were these friends that because we couldn't talk about anything. Yeah, that's which was the whole was purpose of it. Yeah, I was sort of thinking, <laughs> yeah. you know, with a sixth grader there, you know, if, oh, yeah. if you ever tell a child, don't tell anybody this, that's the first thing they're no. going to do. So, like, don't clearly, tell somebody. She didn't know that you were her sister either, did she? I don't think so. I think it was the older. She was the younger sister. So I think it was the older sister that somebody had mentioned to at school. Right. And in fact, I reached out today, just this morning, to a cousin that, uh, you know, she told me happy birthday on Facebook. And I, I reached out to her and I said, I would like to talk to somebody that knows about me. And she said that because her aunt is so private, she said, we've never discussed. She said, I know about you and I know about you were adopted, but I don't know anything. And it's never been mentioned. Wow. So I'm still a secret all these years later. And it's ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, it's a secret to one person, but it's not to everybody in the room. There's only this one person that doesn't know everybody knows. It's really doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I think, though, when someone sometimes, not always, when someone has buried something 
deeply and had that burial sort of either forced or corroborated by their spouse, i.e. this your birth mother's husband, and she's kept this secret like ever since that call in high school when your middle yes. sister said we'll never speak yes. about this again. Like that just turns the lock tighter, you know. Yes, she secret, obeyed right? and they never talked about it again. Right. And and so I think when you when you continue to commit to secrecy in that way, it can be really hard to make a U turn no matter what the circumstances are, I'm betting, right? And so I can I think see so how it's too. probably really challenging for her to to open back up. It's unfortunate because as you've said, everybody knows. So there's nothing really to hide from anymore because it's all out there. Yet she can't it's, sort of turn it around in her own mind, it sounds like. And then when I've I've talked, I have not like physically spoken to her in two years. Like on the phone, we text and we are friends on Facebook and but we haven't, you know, just had a conversation. I I guess I cannot understand because I have not buried something so deep that I just put it out of my mind. And I understand that 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 people do that sometimes that have to. It's a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't remember anything. I mean, she remembers nothing, she says. When I ask her stuff, she's, oh, I'm just, I don't know. I can't remember. I don't get that. When they first met, Shannon and her birth mother wrote letters back and forth. When Shannon asked who her birth father was, the woman gave her a man's name, which Shannon was happy to finally have. She took the guy's name and address and started searching, the same way she had done on the quest to find her maternal family. When she located the man, he had more information about those days when Shannon was conceived than her birth mother could recall. The couple had dated a while, but he was married with children. And then I was born. So in my mind, for all these years, I had thought he had three children in about two and a half years with two different women. I, I didn't. It was awful. I really didn't think my story would be like that. I thought it would be a little nicer than that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. then, then that's when I took the turn of, well, I've messed people's lives up, you know, and I went, that got me for a while. What made, uh, you, a really what made good you feel while. that you had messed up people's lives? Well, I knew that there, this man was married with a child and his wife expecting. And then now this young girl has a child. My uncle told me that, I mean, it was just awful. They had gone after the guy at, at his job and they, you know, they were ready to, you know, just kill him. I think it was just like a disaster when it all came out that my biological mother was expecting a baby. So I was like, Oh my goodness, she's a high school girl. This man cheated on his wife. And then here I am. And I was like, wow, wow. No wonder, yeah. but, but, you know, but, but what part of what part of that is your fault? None. But when I found it all out as a early 20 something, I just thought, wow, no wonder she doesn't want to talk to me. You know, there was just a mess and I'm the result of such a mess. So get rid of her. Then you don't have to see her and then it'll all go away. You know, that's just how I felt at the time. Yeah, but I didn't I know you. the whole story. And there is a big twist in all of this. At one point during her paternal family reunion, Shannon and her adoptive parents were planning a vacation that would take them right past her biological father's home. Shannon's adoptive parents drove down ahead of her and stopped to meet her biological father. Then, when Shannon hit the road, she stopped to meet the man at his home as well. Their relationship was cordial, with periodic phone calls every few months over a 28-year period. Nearly 30 years later, Shannon had decided to take a DNA test, and she got her results back, which showed her a lot about her heritage and where she was from, curiosities she had held for quite a while. But as she was scanning her DNA results, she wasn't seeing names that she recognized on her paternal side. One day, after she had had her results for several months, a young woman contacted her to say that they were a very close match in their DNA on the woman's father's side of the family. And I was like, wow, okay. 
we we messaged back and forth many times and the first thing i asked was well when was your dad born and she said he was born in march of 1968 i was born in march of 1968 mm. the first thing in my mind i thought was i a twin and was i separated and I contacted my biological mother and she said, no, you're not a twin. She said, I, I, I can't imagine what this is. The second thing I thought of is the person that she said was my father had maybe been with another woman because he was married and with a girlfriend. And then was he with somebody else? And now he's had two children born in the same month. It's all I could think. But you said that you... And the woman who contacted you had the same birth date? Her father and I did. Her father. That's so what I thought you said. Her father so. and I were born within two weeks of each other in March of 1968. Ah. So and you are making our DNA is uh -huh. very, very, very close. So wow. I sent... The person that I had been told was my father, I sent him a DNA kit. Now, I've been thinking this, and I was told this for 28 to 29 years. I have been thinking this man was my father, and he did a DNA test, and he is not my father. Oh my gosh. Wow. Nearly At 30 all. years of a relationship with this dude. That's crazy. Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Not him. So tell me about this time when you figure out, like, he's done his DNA test and you don't match up. How, what, were you, what did you feel when you found that? I was in shock. I thought, what on earth? What in the world? And when I messaged my biological mother, she's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. She said, I'm going to have to think. I'm going to have to think and try to remember. And this was Thanksgiving Day. I got the I got the call from him because he got his test results back, I guess, the day before Thanksgiving. And he said his daughter called me and said, we are in no relation to you. My husband says now I knew it all along, but I wouldn't he'd have never said that to me because he said he knew it helped me feel more complete knowing Oh, yeah. He said, I, I just never saw, never in my life. He said, I just couldn't believe it was him. They did date and he cared a lot about her, but I was not his child. All of this went down in 2019. What Shannon thought was true, that she had found her birth father, was a mistaken relationship nearly three decades long. When her DNA results were returned, her mind reeled with thoughts from possibly being a separated twin to who this mystery family was that she had such a close DNA relation to. Her birth mother, who was already short on details about the first guy, was now in the dark about who the second guy could be. Her memory had faded with her intentional burial of those years of her life. Shannon tried to think about what her relation could be to this man, born only two weeks away from her own birthday. They could be cousins or half-siblings, but he apparently didn't know anything either because he was also adopted. One Sunday afternoon in January of 2020, Shannon was watching TV when she gets a Facebook message from a man who said he gave his girlfriend an Ancestry DNA kit for her birthday, and her results showed Shannon was a close connection. The guy messaging Shannon was the boyfriend of the woman who connected with Shannon on Ancestry DNA, the woman whose father was born only two weeks from Shannon's birthday. The boyfriend who wrote the Facebook message told Shannon that his girlfriend wasn't super interested in their relationship, so he kept his girlfriend's identity private, leaving Shannon to contact her birth mother again to try to jog her memory. Still, her birth mother couldn't remember a thing. Well then, about the end of the month, the man that had messaged me said, would you like to see a picture of your father? And I said, I would love to. He said, I can't tell you his name. And I said, okay, I, just, I want to see a picture. That's fine. He sent me a picture of him when he was about 20 years old. <laughs> My middle son is about a spitting image of him. 
That must have been so I, wild to see that. I could not believe it. Mm. So the first thing I did was send it to my biological mother. And I said, could this be him? And she said, yes. And here's his name. She just said it. And I thought, how has she seen pictures of my kids all these years and not recognized it? Oh, good point. That's a really good point. Wow. I wish I could show you the two pictures. You would not believe it. I sent the picture of my biological father to my sister-in-law, and she literally replied, why do you have that black and white picture of Seth, which is my (laughs) little son's name? I said, it's not Seth. It is my biological father. I mean, nobody could believe it. I would just show the picture to people and I'd say, look, who do you think this is? And they're like, it's Seth. And I said, no, it's not. Because, of course, I want to see it. Of course, I want to see the resemblance. But I would show random people that knew my family. And they'd all say, it looks just like Seth. Who is that? It was amazing. It is uncanny. Unbelievable. So when I did get back with my biological mother and I said, can I send you a picture? Because she just wouldn't, I I don't want to say wouldn't come forth with the information. Maybe she couldn't. I mean, I, I have to be more compassionate to know that this was painful and it was buried so deep. It was a one date thing. And I'm sure a lot of embarrassment And I don't know the whole story yet. I just know she's ashamed because it wasn't a relationship. She hasn't come forth to just say the whole story because she says she can't remember. She just knows they went out. Everybody wanted to go out with this guy and he wanted to go out with her. He's so handsome. He was older, but then she got pregnant, but she had already started dating this other fella and thought that I was the other fella's. Shannon couldn't find the birth father Mike's contact information, but she was able to find his brother. She called her uncle at work and shared that her mother was a friend of Mike's from high school. But Shannon's uncle kept questioning her about why she was trying to connect her mom and Mike after all these years. Well, why exactly do you want to get in touch with Mike? And I I finally just said, you know, my mom, they were friends from school and I, I was just trying to get in touch. The my uncle who is apparently a very big cut up, he said, well, hell, I thought you were going to tell me you were his kid or something. And I was silent. (laughs) (laughs) I said, well, actually, I have been told that that is in fact who I am. And he laughed and he thought that was so funny. And I told him kind of what had happened. And he said, well, instead of me giving his number to you he's older and he's had health issues can I go and talk to him and give him your number and I said however it needs to be handled well so my biological father Mike he my phone rang in a little bit and he said so I have been told that you think you know you're my daughter and I said yes and he said well no I don't I don't know your biological mother I I don't know her I don't know anything about it and I said you don't know her? You truly? Because I, I thought I had been taken down another, you know, crazy path that wasn't, things weren't right. And it got very silent. And he came back and he said, no, it's true. Yeah, it, it's me. It's me. I think he just didn't believe it. Because he told, he tells me all the time, I just never knew. I never knew. And I've had to reassure him that it's okay. It's okay. I'm not mad at you. I'm not upset with you. It's okay. I just wanted to know the truth. But he never knew. So he doesn't know a story to tell me of anything. Because he doesn't remember either. He, he, I think, went out with a lot of girls. So. Yeah. Very handsome fella. Handsome young guy. Handsome fella. One night stand, it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, yes. How he wouldn't remember that's unbelievable. He has no he had no idea. So I still don't know who this other person is that was born in the same month as me because 
he was also adopted and his adoptive mother was very threatened by him finding out who his biological family was and she would she would say you know it will hurt me and i, I you just can't so he hasn't done a dna test yet so that we can nail down exactly who he is so i don't know if he is my biological father's i don't know if he's a half brother or a cousin we we just haven't gotten that far yet I um because i think it's, i think it's only, coming because you're because, i see because your only dna connection is to this guy's daughter so it's unclear yes. what your direct and his son, is. like his children, are very, very closely connected to me. So we're either half brother and sister or first cousins. So we just don't know yet until he does a DNA test. Unbelievable! Wow. So that's how it all unfolded by this young girl doing a DNA test and I came up and then that made me question who I had said was my father, who I'd been told for 29 years was my father. That's how that all came about because if she hadn't have done that, we, I would have just still been rocking on thinking it was just what it was, you know? That is so crazy that, I mean, we think we hear the stories of how consumer DNA testing makes all of these truths come to light but it also yes. dispels myths and ones that are 29 years old too it's i never really yes. thought about the fact that at on the same sort of pinpoint of you arrive at this point of recognizing that your biology is goes in this direction at the same time it is now completely opposite to what you thought previously like you make a a, a u-turn on a dime when that information um, comes in, back. In a minute, it how, changed. How did it go for you when you had this discussion with this guy about, did you talk to him when, you're, oh, when your DNA yes, came back I, and you weren't a match? He was hurt. He was hurt. And the first thing he said is that she knocked on my door and told me we had a daughter. And she had come to see him with one of her friends. And he was hurt by being deceived and I said I don't think she knew unless she remembers or whatever she didn't know she knocked on she his door years ago when she was pregnant right after I was born and I was given up for adoption he said she came to his home and was with a friend and knocked on his door and said we had a daughter and everything's fine but she's been given up for adoption but i just wanted you to know so he thought that too so i was no surprise when i showed up to him it's fine and there is no judgment here yeah sure it, no yeah. judgment but she was with more than one person in a very short amount of time so i don't know what happened because nobody remembers nobody knows right I can't get to the very bottom. I can put pieces together and think what I think. Sure. But I guess I thought we'd just, I'd, I'd find her. She'd just lay it all out there. And it's still, it's just pulling teeth to get anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can. Imagine. But I think it's just a very painful, very painful time in her life. Yeah. Very ashamed. Very, you know, just a lot, just a lot to. To pack away and then you give your baby away and and when they knock on your door i don't think they're expecting it and then sometimes i feel like i knocked on her door and and maybe i shouldn't have she gave me away for a reason because she didn't want to deal with it and her parents made her and i don't want to mess her life up but sometimes i feel like oh should i have left it alone should i just have left it alone but I'm so stinking nosy that I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, I, just... I hear you. But I mean, think about the other piece of that, too. You, like, I understand this guilt that it sounds like you may be having. But if you hadn't left well enough alone, you never would have got that outpouring from your grandmother. That's never. huge. That's and really to have big. that year, year and a half with her was worth every, every bit of it. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, there's, I think. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I never, I never think about that part of it to think, 
if I had not left that, I wouldn't have had that with her. And she, oh, she's so precious. She loved me. I know she loved me. I love that. That's so awesome. Yeah, that's this is how we have to think about our journeys, I think, is recognizing the entirety of the picture. One, you can't blame yourself. I know this was 20 years ago when you used to think about this as a younger woman, but you can't blame yourself for situations that you didn't create. You were just the result of one. And once again, that's part of that mental thing. I know that, but there you go down that little place that think, wow, what a a mess I made just being created. And here I am. And if I'd have left it alone, but I mean, it's just, it's uh, adoptees listening to your podcast. We're all over the place. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, Depends on the day of the week but of w- how what we're going to interpret it. I want to focus in on some language you just used because it should be changed, in my opinion. It's not what a mess I made being created. It's what a mess they made creating yeah. me, right? It's, me. it's really you're, different. You're right. We can't own what we didn't choose to do. No. These you're situations right. you're, they sometimes come right. out of some very nefarious things, and that's not our fault. Right. And so I just want to make sure that you and others who are listening recognize you can't own a narrative for a story you didn't write. It's not. You are exactly right. right? And I guess sometimes I feel like when you can't get the whole story, it's still a mess. It's still a mess in the person's life because they can't even just say what happened and lay it out there over guilt or shame or whatever. It's very frustrating. That's true. It's true. The second thing I would love to just make sure you and others focus on is the entirety of the journey. And we just talked about this, but I just want to underscore it for a moment. There's the sort of heartbreak of finding out that this person is not your biological father. And there's the heartbreak of the secrecy that your biological mother won't sort of openly acknowledge you while everybody else is able to. But there's also this amazingness that comes from Having ever gone on the journey, you met this grandmother who loves you dearly. You have ended up on this journey discovering this biological connection where someone secretly in the background is passing you notes that has led you to your true biological father. So, like, there's these ebbs and flows to the thing. There's these peaks and valleys that you absolutely can't sort of calculate. You can't predict them. But you have to be thankful for the peaks and just, you know, acknowledge and find your way the, through the valleys. Yeah. 100%. The journey that it has been, the ups and downs and ebbs and flows, it's been worth it. Good. It's been absolutely that. worth it. Shannon told me she hasn't shared very much of her reunion journey with her adoptive family. Her dad had been sick, so it was a sensitive time. Shannon showed a picture of her biological father to her dad, and he just kind of went with it, saying, yeah, I guess I can see it, but not expressing support. So Shannon doesn't talk about things much. I don't feel good. I don't. I just don't feel great about throwing it out there. I've never taken my children around any of my biological family. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've not met anybody. I've just couldn't do that to my parents. It's just been me and I've shared completely everything with my children. And I have several cheerleaders in the background that have, (laughs) that are close friends that I tell them every bit of it, but I have not felt good about just sharing with my adoptive family. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess they know that I found them, but they don't know it's as big a deal as it is to me, if that makes any sense. It does, because I'm sure, you know, you've heard the stories before. There's a challenge to trying to figure out how hurt they're going to be, and they may be trying to figure out how much they even want to know. And I know. there's probably a little bit of discussion on their side, like, well, when she's ready to tell us, she will. You know what I mean? Or right. you know, there, it could some people, and I'm not saying your folks are like this, but there's a lot of folks who – want to bury their head in the sand and say, if she hasn't said anything, I'm not saying anything. And I'm perfectly oh, fine. Oh, that's a hundred, right that right there. That's you, you hit the nail on the head right there. I just think that they don't want to talk to me about, you know, we just pretend it doesn't happen, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really know. I just don't think that they know it's as big a deal to me as it is. And so I just don't go there with them. Yeah. Have you shared with your brother who was also adopted? 
No, he's not interested at all in fun. He, his opinion, he doesn't have a good opinion of the, the person that gave him up for adoption. He feels very like that was a terrible woman and she made terrible choices. And even though I've tried, I'm the, you know, the optimistic one. And I'm like, you have no idea what her story is and why she would have done that. What if, you know, her father or her boyfriend was going to kill you if when you were born or whatever, he doesn't care. He's like, you don't give your kids up. He's just Mm. hard headed. Yeah. And I just, I want him to do a DNA test so bad. And I've tried to talk my sister-in-law into just get him a DNA kit and just let him do it just for the health reasons. But he is not interested at all at this point. And listen, don't push it. Cause listen, he may not get anywhere near the fulfillment that you've gotten out of your journey. And then you will have been on the side of pressuring him into this. So you just kind of have to let it go. Like this is his own thing to live. And if you pressure him into something he doesn't want to do, just like your kids, it'll <laughs> make them do something they don't want to do, and then yeah. it doesn't work out for them. They're like, "See, I told you," and you feel like an idiot. So just, I hear you, the, but, but let it go. The relative that we matched on D, on the DNA matches that is real close related to me, with the birthday in March. Also, his biggest issue of not doing a test is his adoptive father left them and rejected him he is very terrified of the rejection Mm -hmm. and sometimes i think about my brother that maybe he feels somewhere deep down in there that he would be rejected again you know also certainly so i'm sure he knows that i have found my brother i'm sure he knows i've done this but if he ever wants to know i feel like he would come to me for help because like hey how'd you do that but the last time I talked to him or his wife about it, he has no interest at all. Mm-hmm. None. Yeah. I can't understand that, but that's just, you know. That's right. Just not interested. That's oh. him. Let the appropriate that the dog would bark, because I was going to say, let the sleeping dog lie <laughs> otherwise. Yeah. Right? You know, I opened Pandora's box, so, you know, and I'm just, I, so I'm just glad I did. I still have a lot of questions. I still have a lot of questions. I wish we could just sit down and it just gets laid out there. So I know, but I don't know if that'll ever happen. And I just have to appreciate what I do know. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for taking time. I really appreciate you opening up here for other adoptees to hear. You You may not be able to talk about it with your family and you may not have all the answers you want, (laughs) but I'm sure other adoptees are so happy that you are able to open up and share a piece of your story because elements of it will resonate with them. And I'm just grateful to you for being open to talking. Well, I appreciate you so much. I love your podcast. I love listening to everybody's stories. I put my AirPods in and I just listen away every day. I cannot wait for the next season to come out because I've listened to every episode. (laughs) So, for nine seasons. I'm looking so. for the next season too. It's going to be really good. There's, I mean, every adoptee story is just so fascinating. I wish I could tell them all. I'm so grateful to all the other podcasters and creators out there who are telling stories too, because there's so many to be told. There's so many stories and and so much to learn from this experience. And we're in a rich time right now of getting, getting yes. this information out here. So thank you for being here with us. I really appreciate you, Shannon. Take care. Okay. <laughs> You, you too. Right. Thank you. All See right. you later. Get it. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, it's me. Shannon grew up loved, but feeling out of place in her adoptive family. When she found her maternal connections, she found an everlasting love with her grandmother, who said she hugged her tight enough when they parted for that hug to last until they found each other again. Shannon was a bit of an open secret for her birth mother's family. Her children knew they had an older sister, and the woman's husband knows about Shannon. They just won't discuss her, ever. The painful time in her birth mother's life where she was forced to give Shannon up for adoption was an era her birth mother forced out of her mind in order to cope. For 28 years, Shannon was in reunion with a man who was not her birth father until DNA proved he was not the fella Shannon was looking for. I'm wishing Shannon luck in eventually getting an answer to the mystery of who the man was born within two weeks of her own birthday. 
I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you found something in Shannon's journey that inspired you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I, really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can follow the show at facebook.com slash really. If the show is meaningful to you, you can support me with a contribution to keep it going on patreon.com slash really. Please subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean so much to me if you took a moment to leave a five-star rating there. Those ratings can help others to find the podcast too. And you can check out the story of my adoption journey, Who Am I Really? An Adoptee Memoir on Amazon.com. I hope you'll add my story to your reading list.